check, check, check it, check, check, check it, check it, check, check, check it, check it, check, check, check. One, two, three, four, five. <laughs> Yay, he can count. How's that? Um, how's that Caesars? Oh, it's good. You know, I do the thing I always do. I eat it too fast. I just how because it's only good for bed. When you get a when you get a uh, hot and ready, how many pieces do you mm-hmm. eat? I want the at least four. <laughs> for sure, at, at a bare minimum. Because I was just thinking, there's a tight, there's like a tight window where it's <laughs> where it's good. You where know, it's no longer hot or ready. Yeah, it's and cold sad. Well, that's a big window. That's all of it after yeah. like 15 minutes. So I usually get home. I eat a couple crazy, a little bit of crazy bread in the car because uh, I'm a savage. Um, and then uh, and then I'm pounding them as fast as I can when I get home to fit in that, that good window. I have that yep. good little Caesars window. And then the rest will be, it's fine, cold pizza. It's just a whole different thing. You know, how, I'll do it. How's your body feel right now? You know, it's fine currently, but it could be a ticking time clock and it might determine the length of the show um, or your mic stand. might. I don't, I don't know what my mic stand is doing. I'm fiddling with it. <laughs> I think I'm like trying to get close to it. I don't worry about being that close to it when I'm just working during the day. But when I'm recording a PCAST, I feel like I got to get yeah. close to it. Mm-hmm. And that helps get all weird. Helps do your podcast voice if you can kind of lean in close to a microphone. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Sam and Max Talk About Stuff. I forgot the name of our podcast. It's called Field Work. (laughs) I like Uh, Sam and Max Talk About Stuff. That's the more accurate name. Have we already started? Do we just not really do intros and stuff anymore? No, we don't. You said the name of the... uh, The name of the podcast. Uh, First time (laughs) listeners. First time listeners. Welcome. Welcome to our show. It's um, weird, weird time to jump in. I mean, what's weird about this time more than any other time? Uh, nothing really. It's just like I can't even imagine the thought of someone finding our show uh, in like a way we're like, oh man, I found this new podcast you got to listen to. It just doesn't seem like a thing that would be. I mean, maybe I'm sure maybe it happens. Someone out there could have could have found it. But maybe it just seems like, yeah. Maybe there's someone out there who doesn't know either of us, has like no connection to us or our family or our friends, and has yeah. found this pod- podcast and has listened to more than one episode. There's got to be one person. If you are that yeah. person, email. You me. psycho. Oh. No. <laughs> you psycho. You crazy. No. I mean, kind yeah. of. You are, yeah. <laughs> email me, samsperlin at gmail.com, S A M S P U R L I N at gmail.com. I want to hear your story. Yeah, and then we'll you know no one else try and people other people can try and respond, and then Sam and I are gonna vet it. You're gonna be like, you know this person. I'm gonna say I have no clue who that is. What this? What I'm not saying though. What I'm not doing is discrediting our loyal listeners, loyal (laughs) listeners who know us and love us and Uh. just can't get enough of this PCast. Yeah. Now I said PCast. Why is that? I don't know, but is that a new thing? Is that the kids are saying? Got it. I've got it. I've got it stuck in my head. It's because I was listening to "You Look Nice Today" earlier, and yeah. in the episode that I was listening to, I think Adam Lizagor says "P casting." Uh, yeah. That, now it's in my head. Now I say, it. and I and now you like it. Now it's now it's is a this a P cast. Yep. Oh, Max. All right, what's going Sam. On? What the hell? Well, do you want to talk about. 
Did you, I'm sure you took notes, right? You got some notes ready. <laughs> yeah, I do not. <laughs> um, you know, we did our usual. It's been a month, I'm sure. Once we start we poking into it a little bit here, we'll find some stuff to talk about. Um, the most important part is, you sure you're recording? Yes. <laughs> I like as to do that every now and then. As sure as I can be. As sure That's as I fine. can be. But We've I made ones. Recording. We've made a couple for the ether before. Just the, the ones We've that we did for the internet. surprisingly few into the yeah. ether. Considering That's how, true. how unprofessional we are. No, our, our audio guy's great. Our audio guy, he's always on it. He's catching everything. <laughs> that's me, right? He's always, Thank yeah, you. that's you. Yeah. Okay. Just, just making <laughs> Big sure. staff here. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think we'll find some, <laughs> we'll find some okay. stuff to talk about. Well, you know? I mean, I know we have not recorded since my triathlon. We have not. Uh, and that whole uh, thing. So, I mean, I kind of expected that you had two hours worth of questions just ready to go. Um, and, uh, and you're I failing mean, me as a younger brother and as a co-host, which is uh, worse. I thought I was just building up to it. I didn't think we were going to jump right into Sam's triathlon times. I think, no, but yes, that'll, that'll be most of it, first. I think. Let's do your stuff. <laughs> I mean, we've got a rhythm we follow here. Yeah. Um, yeah. What's going stuff, on with the stuff. Um what beasts have you seen recently? How's your hawk? Good. I saw three hawks hanging out together today. Are they friends? They were. I assume. I don't know. It's. it's I don't want to assume hawk relationships or friendships. Um, no, you would never want to do that. Is but one of the three, the one that always hangs out with you guys, and you have kind I, of a system going. I couldn't tell because they were very, very high in the air, all screeching oh. and flying around together. It wasn't like landing close to us. That hawk is still around. It's still thriving. It's still, I've seen it eat some more stuff. It's still doing great. Saw a couple garter snakes this week while I was doing some tilling. Um, so that was exciting. They were under Why a bunch of uh, garter snakes. I have no idea. I don't, I mean, growing up, I feel like the, the go to thing was actually called them gardener snakes or, you know, garden, I feel like I called I, them. In my head, I called them garden, sna- garden snakes, which feels like yeah. a better name, honestly. Yeah, they're pretty, um, you know, low threat. Especially compared to my Tennessee snakes that I got to know oh, and yeah. fear you, and fear. Do you have like mad cred among your farmer crew for having farmed in the South and having to deal with snakes and stuff? You're like, oh, this Michigan weather, this Michigan wildlife, you all, you all are just lame. You know, I will occasionally try and you know wax a little bit about my time in the South and the tough growing conditions of <laughs> things I had to put up with down there. Uh, the one thing I've noticed is that. Uh, I still have this, um, what I'm just going to assume will last for the rest of my life, which is a respect for um, just lifting stuff up and what could be under it. So I, I think. How do, how do you not, how could someone not have that respect? I think. I don't, you know yeah. I it? Kentucky. Kentucky, Kentucky. Yeah. yeah. I learned it in Kentucky. Yeah. That's a South thing. It is a South oh. thing. Because up here, you lift something up. At worst, there's going to be a garter snake or something under it, but oh, it's not going to. spider. Or like a big wolf spider or something. And those are like, don't get me wrong. They're like, you know, that would be unsettling and a little shocking. But down there, Kentucky and Tennessee, you lift something up and it's like, oh, no, that's a venomous snake. That This could be a bad time. And, you know, a good part of our childhood was uh, seeking those things out in Kentucky, yes. lifting up boat mats and stuff and looking crawfish. for them. You know, looking for crawfish and looking for, you know, different things under stuff. But yeah. <laughs> I think looking for, <laughs> looking for things under stuff. Most of our childhood. Of our, looking for things under stuff. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Not always venomous snakes and things, but you're always just looking oh. for things. 
under stuff. And up here, it's again, not a problem, but a lot of farming is lifting stuff up. It's been on the ground a long time. Like you go and pick up a cinder block that's been on the ground for a long time and there's a wasp nest in it or there's a mouse nest in it and tarps have snakes under them and things like that. On this farm, it's 80%. I'm seeing mice and voles. Um, I had one run up my arm today. Shocking. (laughs) Shocking experience. Um, the brother that got attacked by a squirrel, right? Was that Louie? I don't, I don't believe so. If I if I have, I've buried it. <laughs> there was no. I think it was maybe it was Louie. A squirrel leapt off of I think the swing set or maybe the kind of arch that used to be over by the swing set, and I think landed on his head. We'll have to get a brother. Sounds right. Confirmation at, at some point. We'll yeah, see, someone will claim we'll that story. One, we'll see which brothers actually listen to this podcast. We'll see. Yeah, we'll find out. Like one of them will reach out to us. And Maybe, so yeah, today actually. I had all right. Sorry, we have. <laughs> they all had. They all had a hair at one point that looked like a squirrel's nest. So you can't. Yeah. You cannot blame that squirrel. I actually think it's uh, right now that I think about it more. It's because it's one with nature, so it makes sense. Yeah. And so yeah, today I had a mouse run up my arm. We were doing some. How did some you sin- react? Did you scream? Yeah, well, how do you think I reacted? So pretty good. Pretty, <laughs> like, cool. <laughs> I think I went. Ah! And I kind of threw my arm back and this mouse went flying. Um, I had – this is a different different time earlier this year. Again, all my stories are going to be uh, mice-related uh, this year. But I had – Better than snake-related. 100%. And this – earlier this season, I had, a, I had a mouse who, you know, normally I would say scared of most things. The mice, not me. Uh, <laughs> and, you know, it see, like, see me run away or whatever. Get, pull a tarp off. It runs away. freaks out. I had one turn around and just square square up with me earlier this year and and fight my boot like got up on its back legs and attacked my muck boots that I was wearing and I had like mad respect on the on the whole because worried, I was like weren't you a little bit yeah. like what <laughs> I didn't like, know what's going through this mouse's brain he's obviously got more in the unstable. game than I do yeah unstable a little unhinged and definitely willing to to throw it all away right here right now and I wasn't uh <laughs> eventually turned away and ran away but so those are the beasts the beasts of the farm it's mostly yeah. mice um i'll have to wait until i move somewhere more exciting to get more exciting farm beasts um i, I just realized we didn't check in i knew something felt weird i feel i feel checked in though do you have a check-in question <laughs> i don't i thought the check-in question was little caesar's related i figured that was just uh, where we okay, were come up with a come up with a little caesar's related check-in question okay I thought I want to just ask you a question about Little okay, Caesars. Have you okay. have you ever gone into a Little Caesars and ordered something that was not ready to be handed to you immediately? You know, like you know <laughs> like what I mean. Ordered ahead for Little Caesars. Ordered ahead or gone in there and been willing to wait around for like them to make your crazy eight corner or something that they do make, but I you didn't have, know they did. I have waited, but only because they were out of hot and ready's. That happened to me today. That's what I was. Wa- I was waiting for one today, uh, which felt wrong, but it's fine. But I didn't like go in there and ask for like a like a Kel's a, the new Calzoni. Like I, I can't imagine. I guess people do that because <laughs> they keep rolling them well, out. Guess what? Ever since I've moved here to DC, I or DC area, I don't think I've ever driven or gone directly to a Little Caesars. But I have had Little Caesars delivered more than once, and by doing that, I have explored other parts of the menu. And the part of the oh, okay. that I have explored are the wings. And let me tell you right now, what do you think? Do you think the wings are good from Little Caesars? I would say like a Little Caesars pizza, they're fine. Are they they're fine? Barely fine. 
They are the, <laughs> I don't understand what midget chickens they have contracted with to get these wings. They're the smallest, meatly, meatlessness, <laughs> worst wings that are okay that I've ever had in my life. At least compared to this other local pizza place that I order from more than I probably should has some like behemoth chicken wings like these. I would not want to see one of these chickens in real life because it's huge. That's that. I mean, sounds like you like, you like big GMO, big, uh, big antibiotics, you oh, know, really stuff. Throw your <laughs> farmer bullshit at me. It's obviously you don't want any lame ass. <laughs> yeah. You, uh, so you're arguing that little, little Caesars, Caesars is using organic chicken, yeah. natural chicken. Yeah. Probably. That was reflected. It was reflected in their price. I assume, right? Yeah, it was I a mean, steep. <laughs> uh, I've never. Yeah, I cannot graded, imagine. Yeah. like order, like ordering ahead to get like a special pizza from Little Caesars. Yeah, I was just in there today, and more than one. While I was waiting for my hot and ready, like a gentleman, you know, uh, I, I watched more than one person come in and either place orders order. or pick up an order. Where I heard one guy like said, like requested, you know, he had like, he was picking up like a Hawaiian and something else, and that just Why? is crazy to me. Why does that seem so crazy to me? It seems crazy to me too. <laughs> I don't. I don't understand. I mean, yeah. I, I don't know. I just. I've never. I keep thinking about it, and I've never done it. And I don't know if I ever will, because I think if I wanted that kind of pizza, I'd go somewhere else. You go to a Little Caesars for a hot and ready. But yeah, yeah I'm checked in. Right. I'm sorry. I'm just really fired up on pizza. <laughs> I mean, dude, I could do a whole podcast on pizza. I love pizza so much. That's why my cholesterol is so bad. Probably. <laughs> probably a big reason. Doesn't help. Um. <laughs> well, one day we will do our spinoff podcast because I also love pizza and eat a lot of pizza. Um, and I'm sure people would love, you know, a slice with the Spurlins. That's what we're calling. <laughs> oh, it is. What is your – just real quick. We'll just do like – we're doing yeah. – um, you, you ever listen to My Brother, My Brother and Me? You know how they do like, yeah. uh, Munch Zone? It's a podcast. Yeah. A podcast. We're doing that yeah. right now with our pizza podcast. So we're doing yeah. pizza podcast inside of Fields of Work. What is your um, – don't overthink it too much, but your um, kind of like most unpopular take about pizza. My most unpopular take. I don't think pepperoni is like the I, – I don't love that as a base meat on most pizzas. I feel like <laughs> – What is wrong with it's, you? It's, it's fine. I just think – I think What's a crop – I think a sausage is always better on a pizza of some sort. What? Not like an – you know, I'm talking about like a crumbled sausage. Like yeah, I like know a, what sausage on a pizza looks like. <laughs> You're making a – all right. Hey, little, you hey, want hey, little pepperoni up. grease bowls? It's, no, they're okay. They're good. They're fine. I just – okay. You can get to ask somebody what's your most unpopular <laughs> opinion. <laughs> and the second I tell you, you rip into them for it. So go ahead, big shot, and say what's your thing. And then maybe I'll try and see if I can hold my tongue. You even have one? Uh, I mean, pizza quick. is about an abomination. It's a waste of time. How thin are we talking? Like, Thinner than like a hand toss. Yeah. Okay. I can, I can get but down also, on that. I, I want, I want some. The continuum is also a waste of time. This Chicago casserole bullshit. No. The worst pizza I've ever no, had was Chicago pizza. You go, obviously, <laughs> Detroit style. You're loyal. You're a loyal man. I am. I mean, yeah, I agree. And also pepperoni is my base. Most pizzas I get, 90% of the pizzas, it's just pepperoni. Sometimes I'll throw some jalapenos on there if I don't care about my butt. Mm. Is, is that most times or does it just take really – No. As I, <laughs> as I age, I'm feeling like I have to be more strategic about my pepper allocation. 
Yeah. <laughs> That's important. People don't think about that. Yeah. Yeah. So you don't want to hand it over to jalapenos on a, on a pizza to take all your peppers for the week or maybe well, the month. No, I'm not it, sure I how you... I do. It's more so like, what are my plans after this pizza? Yeah. So yeah. I'm just going and, home. Great. Uh, I, I try to, to keep something like go on like a date or something or like see a movie. <laughs> no, thank you. I, um, I try to almost schedule nothing after a pizza. I like to think oh, yeah. pizza is the that's end of my night. The pizza yeah. ends the night. That's the nightcap. That's true. <laughs> I and that's how I try to organize my pizza eating too. It yeah, actually, and it, should, it ends my week too. I usually do it. Sunday night. <laughs> it's perfect. It's a good. It's a good bookend. Um, truly, the fact that I'm even doing this podcast post pizza is uh, yeah, incredible. Surprised. You're surprised that I'm here. With Thank you, little C- little Caesar's head. Yeah, I know. I can't believe how much uh, one I have to say. Uh, we haven't even talked about farming or anything else, but that's fine. Dude, no one comes about, to this for the farming. We talked about mice. We talked about hawks. And we talked about pizza. And pizza's got vegetables on it and yeah. stuff. So all right, yeah. let's um we're gonna zoom out of our podcast within a podcast. That was our first pilot episode. Uh, of slice spurlins or something. Yeah, slice of the spurlins or slice either one. Spurlins. Yeah. All right, cool. Uh what else is going on at the farm? Okay, so, actual answers. Very nice, very nice photo of some very photogenic lettuce today yeah some little gem lettuces what they're called they're cute little guys um gem lettuces there's not i don't think i've ever heard of a big gem lettuce um i think a big gem would just be like your regular old you know little gems usually like a like a miniature version of like whatever a bigger variety so a romaine or something like that like one of our little gems is kind of like in the romaine family so if you had a bigger one it would just be like a full-size romaine you have butterhead yeah bib all the different types of lettuces a lot of lettuces out there not many organic farms grow iceberg lettuce. Um, it's because yeah. it tastes like nothing. Because it, it, seems, <laughs> it seems unnatural. Does and could it's you like imagine? A, it's like a ball of wet paper. Yeah, it is. Yeah, could you or like? Yeah. Could you imagine going to the farmers market and you're like getting stuff for the week and you're like, I gotta get my organic, locally grown iceberg lettuce. I think it's the one lettuce you're allowed to make sure comes from a different. I can come from California. That's fine. Yeah, I've you know it's it's you don't have to feel like you need to get that local, uh, that like local sometimes, lettuce. Sometimes you just need that iceberg, though. Yeah, it's got a crunch that can be hard to can be hard to replicate. Exactly. That's the slogan. That's the slogan for iceberg. <laughs> <laughs> that crunch you can't got, get anywhere got else. That, got that crunch that's hard to replicate. They don't have good good marketing. <laughs> the icebergs. They don't. They don't. Uh, Big lettuce has really given up on marketing their their iceberg. But yeah, I was t- those were some some little lettuces. Uh, we can we can either work backwards here, or that was that was today. The reason I was doing, or I was out. The reason I was amongst the lettuces um, is that we were frost covering some stuff because we have a low temperature of thirty five degrees coming this weekend. Oh, wow. um, have you been pretty which, warm up until now? Because we certainly have. yeah yeah we've had a couple nice like beautiful fall weeks like some 72s and stuff but we i would say up until yesterday we had a ton of rain yesterday and that brought in the cold front but up to that point it had been in like high to mid 80s which is pretty crazy for early october um so it's a pretty big fluctuation like on the farm and kind of weird when you have all these fall plants in the ground that you know heat's not necessarily a thing that they're like jamming on so um today we kind of took some time to run around and cover I mean, just certain things. Um, we don't even know if it'll frost, but the farm can always be. You never want to like risk it when you're close to 32, and you know, yeah. 35 could easily become 32 at the farm. So 
Um, if there's something you can do about keeping X number of plants alive in a time of year when uh, nothing new is really growing, you know, we planted a lot of our last stuff um, these past week. Like, so if you lose something now, it's not like you can just be like, well, there's more of it coming right behind it. Um, it would be stealing a good chunk of whatever you're going to sell in the fall. So covered a bunch of stuff up, mostly baby lettuces and some cilantro. Most of our hot weather stuff has actually already been pulled out because it should be cold. Like <laughs> it's not supposed to be hot weather crops at this point. Um, so that was today we were, you know, we've done all of our, we call like your hoop house flips. Um, so all of our big indoor growing spaces, the tomato hoop, um, was, was all ripped out, which is like a really time heavy process because you have these plants that are each one, you know, you've seen the pictures and I've been at the farm before where they're, each plant is wrapped around has twine wrapped around that's been supporting it. We've, you know, these plants can be 20 feet long, like, cause you've been doing a thing where you lower them to give them more time to grow up. And so there's a lot of plant matter. You have to remove most of that string. You have to like lop the stems of some of these plants are so thick. And then you have to pull all that material out of the structures and throw them in a compost pile or something. So, um, and our hoop house is 200 feet long. So those are, those are big beds. A lot of tomato. It's a lot of tomato. We did it incrementally, which really helped. We kind of, ripped out one bed and planted it into like a fall crop. And then we ripped out the next three and planted those three. And then this last week we ripped out one more. Um, so the tomatoes became like uh, turnips and different types of uh, like heading greens and tot soy and stuff uh, are all planted in there. And then the pepper hoop house, which was sweet peppers and ginger. Uh, the ginger gets dug up over time. So those beds were already empty, which was kind of nice. Um, and then the pepper plants were all ripped out at the start of this week. Of course, when it was like 87 degrees outside, which meant the hoop house was like 95. It was like the perfect, awful weather for, for doing what we had to do. So uh, ripped all that out and planted it all to spinach, which is like tens I of thousands, that. tens of thousands of spinach plants. Like it's oh, that makes you know, like one one dish, basically. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You got it. It's <laughs> uh, it is the most deceiving of all plants. Um, so we have a ton of spinach planted there. Those are kind of done. And then, you know, the rest of the time is now being spent essentially putting what we call putting beds to, to rest. Essentially, you know, the crops are coming out, you mow them down, weed them, and then tarp them for the winter to protect them. Um, the only other thing being like, this is also the time of the past month up to now. Also, we've been hor uh, harvesting all of our storage crops. Um, so that means like pulling all of our potatoes out of the ground. Um and yeah, so that was that were uh, interesting or fun or funny shaped. I I didn't take. I can find some pictures for you. We've had some we had some really funky ones. We've had a lot of uh, very inappropriate looking ones, not just phallic butts, ones. like phallic, but with like yeah, with but with no detail lost. Um, really, like the the whole the whole deal. Um, a lot of you know a lot of goofy shaped ones. The whole kit and caboodle. Whole bait and, and yep. <laughs> yeah, you got any more you wanted to throw there? Can't think of any other ones. <laughs> and so the potatoes are out. Um, we use a big old machine to do it. It's a lot of fun. It's like a video game. You kind of stand on the back of the tractor. It's got this big shank that goes into the ground. And then there's like a conveyor belt um, of like these metal bars. So all the soil falls through. And ideally, all the potatoes just ride up that little conveyor belt. And then you're standing, four people are standing on the back. And you're just grabbing them off the conveyor belt and putting them in your bucket. And then when your bucket's full, someone on the ground is like swapping out your bucket with an empty one. Very and satisfying. It is it very like, satisfying. Sounds like Guitar Hero, but for farming. 
It is. It's definitely like a rhythm game. Like yeah. you are like grabbing as many as you can. And then like you hit thick spots where it's like you can't you are not fast enough to grab all of them. Um, so it can be a little stressful, but it's a, a very, very quick way to harvest uh, a giant crop. You know, we pull in, you know, three, four thousand pounds of potatoes out of the field, all of our winter squashes out of the field. Um, and then now we're kind of chipping away at things like carrots and beets and rutabaga and parsnips and things like that. So um, it's a lot of logistics because it's like that nobody likes. Apparently the carrots, are, carrots are good. Other than carrots. Yeah, beets beets are hot garbage. I'll eat like over over rutabaga. I'll eat like one, um, but it's a lot of logistics to try and figure out like thousands of pounds of stuff coming out of the field. Yeah, where's all and, this stuff going? Well, things like potatoes, onions, and garlic, that stuff can all go in the barn, um, which is like nice because it don't have to go into a walking cooler or something, which is a very finite space on our farm. Those things were all. It's kind of crazy for. Different, you know, we've talked about the process before of like curing onions and things like that. Um, potatoes kind of come in from the field and they get sorted by like size and any damage because when you're playing that little game, you're not really able to like fast enough to look for like green, you know, where it's been exposed to the sun, which you shouldn't eat. Um, when that chlorophyll starts to like kind of uh work on whatever's exposed to the sun, um, so those are all thrown away to this like seconds. I think it's like an eaten. Why, why, should like, you, why shouldn't you eat them? Why do you, why do you say that? I don't. I don't, I think they're genuinely in certain quantities poisonous to humans. So when potatoes and stuff like that start to turn green from sun exposure, what not just get, sprouting, would, but like get a green potato chip. Remember you get like green spots on a potato chip. Is that that, or is that something else? It, it could be, or it could be a sort of a skin or something like cut off of it. You know what I mean? But like mm-hmm. you definitely don't want to be eating a lot of green uh, potato parts okay. and, uh, so yeah, you do all that kind of sorting for those potatoes and then everything, every storage crop gets put into a, gets weighed out and then poured into a 40 pound bag. And then those 40 pound 40 bags pounds. are, what's that? Yes. <laughs> gets weighed to 40 pounds. Sure. You know, I thought I didn't have to say it. I just walked through the process. Um, and then those bags are put on a pallet and those pallets are like stored on shelves in the barn or yeah, they're. But, then where, but who is buying this? Well, they're going to our right. like the farmers markets, and they're going to our CSA, which will go through the fall. They're going to the farm okay, stand. Right. I forgot about the CSA. Yeah, CSA is a pretty big one. And then you know we do sell to um, like wholesalers, like different wholesalers, like Bushes, a grocery store around here buys from us, and there's a couple other okay. decent sized. Um, there's a couple CSAs that like do a conglomerate where they pull from different farms, and they have. Uh, well, you know, get 400 pounds of potatoes from us one week or something. So there's definitely big orders that can help move it. But you also want them to last a little while because right. it's a weird balance because the longer you hold them, the more of them rot. Just statistically, more of them are going to go. Um, but you want money later into the year. Um, so you're trying to move them, but not too fast and things like that. So, mm-hmm. uh, But all the other stuff, carrots, beets, celeriac, parsnips, those types of stuff, rutabaga, they all need to be washed and then put into a cooler and that is proving to be like a logistical nightmare and puzzle because that's just thousands of pounds of stuff that needs to go in coolers, which essentially just shrink the space in your cooler. But we're also still bringing in a ton of fresh produce throughout the week, which most of the time needs to live in the cooler at least one night before it goes to wherever it's going. 
we try to not harvest too far in advance because of this. But like, I mean, by the end of like a Tuesday afternoon, the cooler is like, you could open the door and you cannot see into it. It's just pure produce. Um, And the more storage crops we bring in, the more that happens. So it's an ongoing thing at the farm right now of like, what do we, how are we going to do this? How are we going to make it all fit? So um, we'll get back to you on what that answer ends up being. But uh, for now, it's encouraging because it's chip in and eat a rutabaga. I was going to eat one or it's like, it should be like boys, uh, Girl Scouts, Boy Scouts, like trying to sell them. I think everyone should take a bag of pota- potatoes and beets and go to your local any you know, corner and try and sell, yeah. <laughs> and sell some beets. So are you, are you old enough to have experienced in like high school, the selling of the candy bars? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Fun things. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So it's like that. Yeah. A farmer, a farmer version, which is where you take a forty-pound bag of beets and carrots, yeah. and you have to sell them, and you can't actually come back to work until you do. Yeah, I, I would love to see you try to sell rutabagas door to door. But I'm somehow, they're all like in these like, like kind of like sandbag looking like burlaps, like not burlap, like yeah. big sacks. So I'm just carrying a, a one around with me from door to door, and I set it That's down on their porch. Sad hippie Santa. Yeah, it sounds like a really sad like 1920s kid trying to pay for his family's. I don't know <laughs> something, but like yeah, uh, like so yeah, cat surgery or something. <laughs> yeah, and this is all we've got are these parsnips we've been growing. <laughs> um, so yeah, there's a there's a lot of storage crops coming in. It's encouraging for me because these are mostly storage crops are mostly direct seeded crops is the way it works out. So I mean, you did your job. Which means I did my job, so it feels when pretty good. When you guys good are harvesting to, these, do you ever be like, "Man, these are some good seed"? Like whoever planted these seeds really did a good job. Look how look at this one. Look how good. This every one time, is. yeah. Every time, uh, constantly. Um, I'm sure I've, I've done it pretty much any time I've been out there harvesting with everybody, you know. But also that people will turn that back on me and do a little bit of if it's crappy, they'll let me know, you know. These, yeah, that's true. Look at this; these were seeded too around. close together, probably, or because I'm the water guy. You, everyone's favorite thing right now to say is uh, I think these were overwatered. Um, so that's also, uh, it gets to be thrown at me, but, um, for the most part, that's kind of what we've been up to at the farm. Crawl's the best. I'm very much enjoying like all of these kind of fall tasks. It's still busy, but it's not uh, 90 degrees. And there's like a, that sense of completion where things are coming out of the ground and nothing's following them up. So you get to kind of see the farm go from fully planted to, to cover it up, which is, always visually appealing and just feels good too. Yeah. But. So for, for this farm, it's bigger than most that you, maybe all that you've worked on so far. Yeah. Uh, is there an end date for a farm like this in terms of like the season or n- not really? Yeah. There's like a potentially like there's a end date for most crew and most managers in terms of like uh, heavy hours and then keeping certain people on through January and February. But it's like early December, you know, would, would be the latest anyone would work 30 hours a week kind of situation that could change if, you know, we get hard frost and things die quicker and there's less to yeah. do. Um, so it's always kind of a floating goal. It still stays similar to like, uh, other farms have been at, which is like Thanksgiving kind of, you know, that's the last big right. push for moving produce, but, um, it could, it could be sooner. They do keep certain number of people on through the winter to some level of hours because, uh, there's all that spinach that needs to be picked and all these different things in the hoop houses. And then there's all the back end work of, uh, 
crop planning and seed ordering and right. all the all the boring uh mise en place style things you do for farming of you know you like that stuff though I, I do and i really do enjoy like organizing the yeah. all of our sheds and everything so that when like the summer hits you're just flying you're not having to look for stuff it's there um and by the end of the season it's all a mess again and you can kind of do it uh do it a little bit over so there's it is pretty satisfying so there'll be some level of that happening probably in the next month or so too or starting to so um but it's nice we have some some legitimate fall weather coming up starting basically today so uh yeah don't uh, i can wear long sleeves again it should be nice nice all right. What about you? You want to talk triathlon? You want to talk work? Anything work related you really want to dip into? I'm on two new projects. One started in September. The other one started on Monday. And that's cool. I'm project stewarding both of them, which is I don't know, the best way to describe is like the person who is m- most in charge of kind of the overall project architecture. Um, and I have a partner on each project, uh, different person for each of the two projects, neither of whom I've ever worked with before. So that's fun. I enjoy, uh, enjoy that. Um, we just did a retreat, uh, last week in Charleston, South Carolina. Second time we've done a retreat there. It's a cool town. I like it. I like it a lot. Uh, saw some horses walking around. Uh, Hold up. Wait, what? Tour. Walking themselves on the street no. or in a pasture? I mean, they were on the street, but they were they were um, they were pulling uh, carriages. Okay, okay. They were working and horses. The actual carriage house was like viewable from our hotel in like the old district or historical that's, district. That's neat. You worded that in a way that made me think these horses were just also going for an afternoon stroll. Yeah, unattached. I mean, you know, just out there. That would have been cool. That would have been cool. <laughs> no, there are no wild horses that I'm aware of in Charleston, South Carolina. Yeah. Good enough. Yeah. Well, uh, any um, eat anything good? Usually eat good things here. Oh, yeah. We went to some I don't recognize her name. I'll have to look it up later for you. Vivian somebody. Um sh- famous chef who has a couple of restaurants there and we for one of our dinners I apparently like rented out the whole restaurant cuz we were the only people there and it was some of Oh my god, dude. All right. Picture a hush. The Vivian Vivian Howard. Yes. Okay. Just looked it up. I was curious. Um, if, you, I'll, I'll, if you read me the names of her restaurants in South Carolina, I can tell you which one it is. It starts with an L, I think. Is it Lenore? Yeah. L-E-N-O-I-R? Lenore. Yeah. yeah. So okay. Hush Puppy. So like Hush Puppy shape, but mm-hmm. not really consistent. You know how Hush Puppy, because it's so usually like a cornmeal, it's pretty mealy. Crumbly. Yeah. Yeah, crumbly. Um, these were apple fritters. Okay. Puppy shaped with yep. with apple butter on that you like dip them in. I ate like they were like they were like donut holes, and they were an apple yeah. butter, and I ate like probably six of them. Uh, that was a good start. <laughs> and then there were chicken wings with like a barbecue blueberry glaze, which I've never had a blueberry based glaze on a chicken wing before. Insanely good. And are you impartial to a blueberry? Are you a fan of a blueberry? I love blueberries. I eat blueberries okay. most days. I put it in oatmeal though. Rarely glaze your chicken wings in them. Got rarely, it. <laughs> rarely glaze my chicken wings uh, with blueberries. Uh, there was um, fried collard greens. They were like kale chips, basically. Interesting. Insanely good. Uh, and then I had an amazing steak 
for the main course. And there was really good mashed potatoes. And what else was on the table? I don't even remember. It was insane. It was so good. I, uh, um, and then I had to walk back to the hotel after that. And I was so tired. <laughs> That's that heavy Southern food. Yeah, um, I can't believe that's the first time I've ever heard of doing fried collar, like like a collared chip versus a kale yeah. chip. Yeah. There's so much better for it. As a farmer, they're like flat and thicker. Yeah. And so they do a better job than kale. It's yeah. like, I don't know. I, I, I'm sure the flavor is really similar to kale's in terms of doing that. So it was that's, that's genius. I was so confused because you know there, there were servers walking around like offering appetizers. And she walked up and she was like, had napkins in her hand and like bowl. She's like, colored greens? And then I, I, in my mind, I was like, okay. Like, You're going to grab some like loose. Some sog- <laughs> I'm just like, is these my hands? Like some soggy collard greens. And then just I drip like, it all over the place. I realized like, oh, okay. These are like, cr- these are like chips. Yeah. Then, you went in to grab too hard and you just crushed a bunch of collard <laughs> Basically. Um, and then I think that's the main, main work stuff. Of course, the main work stuff, I guess, talked about food. That's how it happens with our, our retreats. You know, it's. Food is why I asked. Important part of the uh, experience, generally. Um, but yeah, I guess other than that, the triathlon, which you were a part of. Ooh, yeah, I was out there working hard. So, I mean, I've been talking about this for a long time. It was summer of twenty one. Is was my sabbatical? I think is that when I came and visited you. Twenty twenty one sounds right. Sounds yep, I think so. Right. So. Literally, my first week of training was basically when I came to uh, visit you. Prior to that, I had been I had had a Peloton for a while. I had started doing a little bit of running. And the week before, I had gotten a bike and I started working. Like I got uh, a, a coach that I was going to work with, and that was the first week of uh, like workouts that he gave me, which mostly I couldn't do because I didn't have a bike, uh, and all I had was basically running in some of the worst weather I've ever experienced in my life. That picture I took of myself after one of the runs I did when I'm sitting on your porch, I look like a sad, <laughs> wet, horrible, like horribly sick dog. Yeah. Yeah. I remember that's and witnessing it. That's kind of how you look. Yeah. yeah. So <laughs> end of 2021 is when I started training for triathlon. Um, trained through all the fall and the winter. All of then summer of 2022 was like my first year of racing. I did my first, I did the sprint triathlon. I'm, I've talked about all of these races, I think, on yeah. this podcast, basically. Did a sprint and two Olympics uh, distance last year. The original plan was actually to do a 70.3 the fall of 2022. Um, but because I had that tendonitis problem after my race in the in June of 2022, I guess I had to take like two or three weeks off of running and I was worried I was setting myself up for more injury, trying to get ready for that. And I'm, you know, as I've talked about, I'm not doing this to win races. I'm doing this hopefully for the long term. So why, why rush it? So I changed it to <laughs> Olympic with the idea then that here in my second full year of training and racing, I would hopefully do the 70.3 distance, which is called a half Ironman um, in the fall, which is what I did. Um, I, I wanted it to be somewhere kind of fun. And I figured doing it in Michigan would be cool because I could combine seeing everybody with actually going and doing the race. And at first I hadn't even really thought about like, getting an Airbnb the week before and inviting whoever 
wants mm. to come to like come stay. But I realized um, that would actually be a lot of fun. And I knew I wanted to get there very early because I didn't like so much of triathlon is just logistics, uh, like making sure you've got all your stuff and you're at the place yeah. and you know everything about where you need to go, when you need to go places. So wanted to get there super early. I knew I'd be driving from Virginia because I wanted to bring my bike and I don't have a, a um, piece of like, I don't have a case to take my bike on a plane. Um, although after this trip, if I'm going to keep doing this, I may actually do that. Cause I don't think yeah. I want to drive 12 hours to the Michigan race ever again. That was um, rough. Well, you know, you can take a break but you don't have to drive back the next day. That was pretty quick. Well, pretty crazy. I mean, yeah, it just, we, I didn't, the timing of these new projects starting and stuff, I couldn't like I kind of had to work the week of, which isn't a big deal, like working from the Airbnb um, and I was able to take like a day off. But I wasn't the race was on a Sunday and I ostensibly had to like get back and start working immediately. So we drove back on Monday and um, yeah, it was I don't know a lot about triathlon or physical things but i'm pretty sure driving for 12 plus hours the day after you do a half ironman is not the recommended recovery protocol because yeah you should have seen me getting out of the car at each rest break to like, just move and walk around oh my god it was um it was a sight to behold yeah stiff stiff you, yell, you always yell when you got out of the car oh that was a good iron man i did i was a good good half iron man because um, i would have done I'm, I need to talk to my wife real quick. We this okay. may or may not remain in. Okay. I need to address my I need to. I need to address the adjust the straps on her dress. Come That's fine. Your wife. <laughs> Can you just? They look pretty even to me. Make sure they're even, but just a little tighter. Yeah, that'll definitely stay in the podcast. <laughs> I mean, I'm not going to edit that out, probably. So, <laughs> you look great. Have fun. Do you like this dress? Yeah, it's a great dress. Okay. Dance it out. Dance it out. Kiss my face. No, you got too much stuff on your lips. Okay. Bye. <laughs> She's going dancing with friends. I figured. Yeah. I figured that's what not Little Caesars. <laughs> no. <laughs> sure. <laughs> All right. Um, so that was a lot of setup, and then I did the race, and it was fine. Is that, is that, well, is that okay. the detail that you wanted? Okay, sure. I, you know, I'll, I'll give my perspective of it. First, I think it's pretty cool, probably, well, probably pretty cool, like, full circle-wise to uh, start your athletic career and things, and you have Michigan being your, like, I don't know, where you played hockey and everything, and now sure. to, like, do your first, like, pretty legit, very impressive uh, you know, I think we were all like, oh, this is like, I think we all had a, a little bit of an idea of what like those distances and the people that compete in these things are, um, but not really. And then you see it in person and it's incredibly impressive and things are very far. And <laughs> you get like a, a bit of an idea of like how much effort it takes to do these things, like being at the finish line and just seeing the, seeing people like coming into finish, which is exciting. And, you know, there's like a lot of like joy around anyone that finishes no matter what the time. I was also just like, oh man, these people, as Kira said, they all look kind of miserable, oh, but yeah. they all made them <laughs> all made themselves miserable. That's, that's uh, true. We, that is, we did do that. And uh, uh, one, of the, one of the cool things about about the race, um, and this is this isn't true for all Ironman branded um, <laughs> events, but it was true for this one. Is that there was a pro field, 
So there were professional triathletes, men and women, competing on the exact same course that all of us age groupers were um, were racing on, which I think is just kind of cool. It's not like yeah, I mean, hockey. No other sport that I can think of really works. You get to watch that. people that way i mean obviously we don't go off at the exact same time all the pros go off first first the men then like seven minutes later the women and then the age groups and kind of a wave uh yeah based on your expected finishing time but you know when i was out on the on the bike course you know kind of at the first third of my bike course i saw the pro men come in the other direction because it was on an out and back so i could i could see them whizzing by and it's just cool to be on that that same uh the same course yeah, and it does and definitely like provides some even though again people go by at different times, the context for one, the speed that they were going, fast whatever going. part. Oh my gosh. And every part. And so, you know, our Airbnb and our setup was on the bike. Um, so we got to sit out there and watch all people go by we twice on the bike. I didn't really realize that the Airbnb that I booked for us was actually on the bike course. Yeah, which would, like, definitely had its pros and cons. The cons being like we couldn't really get out to watch you swim and then come back because the road yeah. was shut down. So, so you kind of had to pick your – nothing to see on the swim. Like once I'm yeah. in the water, you can't keep – you wouldn't be able to tell who I am. We all look exactly the same out there. Mm-hmm. That's true. Uh, they'll make you wear your, your fun caps. You don't get to look yeah. different. No. And – uh, but yeah, so getting to see them kind of bike by at that speed. And like we were, I don't think it's just because I get excited about any level of like competitive thing. It was cool to like, we kind of had an, a time that we were thinking the pros would come by based on what you had told us, knowing where we were on the bike. And, you know, we went out probably 15 minutes before that just to sit outside and to hear them like, you could hear them coming. Like they're, yeah, they're everyone bikes. actually, it's not just them, every single, yeah. for the most part, bike that the goes by sounds like a car. Bike. The more expensive your bike is, the the kind of more louder of a you can hear. Yeah, yeah, and we could you could hear them humming along, and and it was cool to see like, oh no, these people like they're putting up a very impressive time right now, and like seeing the speed of them go by and and them coming back and the gap that was created. You know, we were at mile nineteen and mile fifty ish, I think, and so you know at that fifty mile mark when they're coming back down the other side of the road just how big of a gap the guy in first had created at that point where he was minutes ahead of the next closest person. Um, it was pretty cool to, to see. Um, and yeah, it was really interesting. I think it definitely like for Kira and I, I was like, I was kicked off. Like a, I want to get back into like trying to do, you know, uh, I've never done a triathlon, but like I've done a half marathon before. Um, and maybe one be like, cause that atmosphere is fun. It's cool to be in a place where everyone yeah. is pretty like, the days before where the town is taken over by a bunch of triathletes and it's like, you know what everyone's there for and everyone's like really encouraging and seems incredibly friendly. Um, it was a cool little town that it was in, uh, uh, Michigan on the West kind of West coast of, of Michigan. Um, It was beautiful. Yeah. Little spot. Really nice. The, the lake that we stayed on with the Airbnb was not the lake that we swam in, but I did do some swimming there leading up to it. Beautiful water, the most crystal clear water I've ever seen. It was called Crystal Lake. (laughs) Uh, And then the actual swim was in this bay right off of Lake Michigan. So it was super protected. The water was, was very calm. Should I quickly just run through kind of the three sports, how it went for me? Yeah. Give the rundown. Sure. Sure. Okay. So, um, the swim, um, was what I was most nervous about in the handful of races I've done in my very short triathlon career. I've had some notably bad swims, including one swim that I completely bailed on and walked back to the starting line, 
one swim where I hung off of a kayak for a decent amount of time and I was pretty sure I was going to fail, but managed to eke it out. And then a couple other swims that were fine. So, and I had never, I don't think I'd ever actually swum the full distance. But, oh no, I take that back. Earlier that week in Crystal Lake was the first time that I had swum that full distance. Um, and actually that was pretty big for me. That was not really the plan the day that I went out to go swimming, um, just, you know, a couple of days before the race, but I was feeling pretty good. And I thought if I'm able to do this full distance right now, I will have so much more confidence going into the actual race. So I didn't try to go hard. It was actually quite choppy. And that was the other reason I wanted to do it because I knew it was in that kind of training swim it was likely choppier than it would be for the race. And if I could swim the full distance in this kind of choppy water, I knew I'd be fine three days later in probably pretty calm water. And I was able to do that. And the swim was completely uneventful. Um, you know, it was totally fine. I didn't at any point feel panicked. My heart rate never really went high. I mean, that means I probably could have swam harder and gone faster. But really, I didn't care about my finishing time for the swim. I just wanted to get through it without having to like panic breaststroke or hang off of a kayak or think I was going to die. The only thing that was bad about the swim was a good long chunk of it was basically into the sun and I couldn't see the sighting buoys for shit. Uh, so I <laughs> think I went a little bit wide, although I looked at my data afterward and I didn't swim that much extra. So I don't think I was as off course as I maybe thought uh, I was. Um, but that was, that was basically it. And kind of near the end, I kind of got elbowed in the face at one point. But it wasn't yeah. like malicious or even that hard. It was just kind of surprising. Um, and I, you know, normally that would happen like earlier in the swim when you're all kind of more bunched together. So I wasn't really expecting it that that late. Uh, but I did the swim. Um, I don't have the Strava in front of me, but I think it was like 45, 46 minutes to do the 1.9 kilometer swim, which I was stoked about. I'm very happy. And by the end, I was very happy to be done swimming uh, as well. So Got out of the water, um, took off my wetsuit, and got on my bike, and um, got started riding. It was actually pretty chilly. It was like in the 50s that morning. So yeah. I'm wearing kind of my tri-suit underneath my wetsuit. Um, the water was actually quite cold. The water was, I think, 60 yeah. degrees. Uh, so definitely a, a, a fun way to start your morning, hopping into that, that water. Started the bike ride. Um, bike ride is where I felt probably the most confident, mostly just because it's the only one of the three sports where you can put forth minimal effort and still move forward. Uh, if you if you put minimal effort in in the swim, you die because uh, you drown. Yeah. Uh, if you put minimal effort in in the run, you're either walking or standing still. Uh, so that's not fun. If you're going down a hill and not pedaling on a bike, you're still going at a pretty decent clip. So yeah. for whatever reason, I always feel most comfortable on the bike. And I always tell myself, too, that while my years of hockey playing, not that that really is even visible on my body anymore, but I feel like my years of hockey playing has maybe allowed me to be an OK cyclist because of leg power, where yeah. it doesn't really help with my swimming or running all that much. Mm -hmm. The main thing I knew on the bike is that I had to take my nutrition and my hydration very seriously. I know I'm a bad runner. I'm going to have a long run no matter what. I can't get off the bike and sun and like be in a caloric deficit, not be fueled or be dehydrated in any way because my already bad run is going to be much, much worse. So I had talked to my coach and we had figured out kind of my goal on the bike 
I had, so I carry two, I carry two bottles with me on the bike. Each of those bottles had essentially Gatorade called scratch, um, in that kind of like a double helping of scratch in both of those bottles. The plan was to drink both of those. And then across the various, uh, aid stations, I essentially needed to pick up one more Gatorade and drink that and then drink three waters. So I had to drink six bottles on this bike ride, um, three of nutrition, three of water. And that was going to be, my bike was going to be somewhere between three and three hours and 15 minutes. I think it came in at like three eleven or something, something before three fifteen, I believe I managed, I got through the three bottles of nutrition and two bottles of water and it wasn't that hot of a day. So I don't think I was sweating all that much. So I feel like that was actually pretty good. Um, I didn't feel like I was bonking in any way on the bike, um, which is kind of what you worry about, especially on a cooler day and you're not feeling thirsty, not drinking, that would, it would be really bad. Um, what's, uh, what's, like, bonking? what's bonking? What's bonking? Bonking is when you, you're essentially your muscles have run out of easily accessible glycogen and it feels horrible. You get very, uh, tired and low energy. You may get nauseous, but essentially it means you've run out of, you've run out of, calories and now your body's going to try to burn fat which if your body is not really adapted to burning fat is not going to go great for you i wonder i mean i'm sure it's some level of this uh back in my uh tennis playing days and it still happens now joe and i used to describe it sometimes uh we'd call it getting noodly and yeah, we would get I think the that's f- bonking or maybe it's, that, that it's awful related but it could be heat related as well. It was, yeah. um, I've had it on like pretty overcast, like not too hot of days before, but, yeah. and it's happened in farming and stuff, but it's usually a, a, a hydration slash whatever, you know, maybe electrolyte related thing. But boy, that feeling of like, I'm barely holding on to whatever's going on around yeah. me. It's not it's great. great. And I can't imagine being in a race. On a <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So yeah. In addition, so the six bottles of three of hydration, three of nutrition, I also had to consume, probably about four um, gel packets uh, that were basically the consistency of like a jello shot. So mm-hmm. that would give me the calories that I needed to get through the bike and then get started onto the run. Um, it was on the bike. I got to go by the house twice where you all were cheering me on, which was cool to, to <laughs> see you all. Um, what, when you saw me coming for the, at the 19 mile, what, mm-hmm. what was the general sense of like, how's he looking right now? You what looked was the conversation you looked, like afterward. Uh, you looked totally fine. You looked pretty chill. You, I would say you seemed. I would say, I would say, I think you could have been going harder. I think I looked at him. <laughs> I thought he seems. You gave us jazz hands, and you seemed pretty like you know you were you were chugging along, but it wasn't like a. We saw some strained looking people going by my, that and mile. If you're marker. strained at mile nineteen, I don't know how you're getting through the day because that's not yeah. even half of the bike yet. Yeah, so we saw some people, some looking great, and a couple people looking like you're not having a great time right now. So you look pretty pretty good. Yeah, That's the other thing on the bike. So you don't want to overbike because you still have a half marathon to run. So um, there's a thing, I have a power meter on my bike, and I don't even know exactly how a power meter works, but I do know kind of like what is known as my functional threshold power, which is ostensibly the amount of power that I can hold for an hour, um, kind of like going pretty hard. If I'm going, so basically I'm shooting for about 65 to 70% of that number most of the time. If I'm going above 65 to 70% of that number for too long, I'm probably 
like making my run harder than it that it has to be. So that that is a pretty sustainable rate. So you probably saw me going at that that rate when I was yeah. going by, which is kind of the plan. Okay, and then on mile whatever near the end, we come back by again. What was the the sense of how I was looking then? Um, I mean, even then, I would say you looked, which is probably a good thing. You looked pretty much the same. Yeah, good. I would say vis- visually didn't look different. Uh, you were kind of. I think it's a little downhill. I think, which is yeah, nice. I think so. I think at that part we were at, we were a little bit of a downhill. Um, yeah, you looked pretty chill. I yeah. felt like you were. The, the part of the but the part of the whole race probably where I felt the best was the last like seven or eight miles of the bike. I passed like thirty people. I don't. That's know a good feeling. Like, yeah, what it was about that? Like, why? I think I was just. A, I don't know. I think I just. I didn't. I didn't burn too many matches, as they say, um, on the bike. So I was able to just keep my pace going pretty well. And I think other people were kind of struggling at that point. So that and again, I'm not there to pass people, but it's nice to pass people. It's nice to not always be passed. Uh, and I get yeah. plenty of that for for sure, uh, too. Um, and then, yeah, got out, got off my bike for the run. I knew the run was going to be horrible. I'm not a great runner. I've n- I have not run 13.1 miles since the half marathon I did in 2008. Yeah. Uh, which was a long ass time ago. And the longest I had run in training was like 10.1 miles um, a couple of weeks before. What I did know that I had going for me is that almost all my training was in horribly hot weather because I live in Virginia. And it was not horribly hot or humid in Michigan. So I was hoping that even though my last couple of weeks of training felt really bad and I felt every long run was horrible, I thought hopefully I was actually in better shape than it seemed because the weather would be better. And that kind of held up. Um, My only plan was to run, you know, as hard as I could. um, And only I would let myself walk through the aid stations. Um, one, just kind of like the mental break of I'm not doing 13 miles. I'm doing basically 13 one-mile runs with a 30-second walk in between them. It would also give me time to make sure I'm hydrating enough and getting nutrition. Basically, at every aid station, which was roughly every mile, I would get water. I would get a little cup of Gatorade. I would um, usually get a cup of ice, which I would alternate between dumping down the front or the back of my tri-suit. Uh, and then I would get one last little cup of water and that would take me roughly 30 seconds to like walk through that. And then I'd finish that water and start running again. And that was, I was able to do that. Um, I didn't walk outside of that at all. And I think my overall pace ended up being 11 something. And that's including the, the walking <laughs> breaks. So my running pace was actually probably high tens, which honestly, after a long ass swim and a long ass bike ride is Perfectly fine for me. I've had slower training runs than that. According to Strava, I ran my fastest ever 10-mile run. I realized after the fact that I think I've only run maybe two other 10-mile runs. So it wasn't that big of a deal, but it's still kind of nice to see like breaking a PR while actually doing the the race. Um, Yeah. And got through the run. The the hard part of the run – there are many hard parts of the run, but the hardest part is that it's a a two-lap run. And I'm slow. I started, you know, much later. Like there were people who were already finishing the swim as I'm basically getting into the water. So which means that as I'm getting to the end of my first lap, which the turnaround is right by the finish line. Yeah, it's brutal. You can kind of like tell where it is like right there. Right. So we went and looked at it. We went and watched a couple of people turn around right before you came and finished. 
Yeah, I know. I can, and oh, so rough. I felt so bad for those I'd people. I've been running the turnaround basically at the halfway point. I was like six something miles, so running for over an hour, which is already a long ass time to be running. Seeing the finish line and seeing people getting to finish, hearing the clapping on them, and <laughs> running back out to run the the exact same loop that I had just run. That was definitely a bit of a, a darker a darker moment. Um, but yeah, I was able to get through it. Um, I didn't have any stomach problems, which I was a little bit worried about um, because, you know, I'm, I'm still taking in nutrition the whole time I'm running. I had a couple of gels during the run, the Gatorade. Um, didn't cramp up at all until literally the last like quarter mile where I thought I might have to like like stagger across the finish line, which I was kind of mad about because like I've kept it together so well this entire run and I get yeah. to like where I can see the finish line and my, my quads start cramping up, like, come on. But I was able to keep it together. I was able to run across the finish line. I did pass somebody in the like finishers shoot area because I found it so deep and was able to, you know, get across that finish line. Not fast enough to catch uh, Mr. Buttigieg apparently. But, uh, <laughs> Yeah, like seven minutes ahead of you. <laughs> I guess. I like to think that he started like way uh, in front of me. So actually, maybe yeah. I was faster. Was well, how does it do? It doesn't. I mean, the time it's showing when you cross the line, that's the time of when the event started, right? So the, you'll you'll notice on the finishers, like when, you, when your name pops up, it's it not gives you your time, your actual. Yeah, it's your actual time from when you started and stopped. So like, that's how you, like you could be someone could finish in front of you and actually have a time that's longer than yours because they started, you know, or before than, than you. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so I finished, I got across the finish line. You guys were all there because you were able to come down from the house after the bike was done. You were able to drive down uh, because they opened the road and saw everyone at the finish line. I finished, got, a, I had a very painful walk back to pick up, my bike out of the transition area, go home, take a shower, eat some pizza. Pretty great. Yeah. Drive home so next day. The next morning, drive drive from northern Michigan to Washington, D.C. We got home at like 2.30 in the morning, I think. Granted, we didn't leave yeah. until like noon because we had to do some work in the morning, but yeah. still made for a very long day. Yep. That's, that's, makes some stiff, that's some stiff legs. Yeah. And then recovery. I had a couple of days of feeling horrible. And then pretty quickly felt like mostly, mostly back to normal. Oh, I've totally forgot to mention, I won't go deep into this, but the week prior to the race had to go to urgent care because my lingering COVID cough got so bad. I couldn't stop coughing or breathe really, um, or asleep. So I had, to, I started a, a, a round of prednisone the week before the race. I had prescription cough suppressant and a prescription um, inhaler prescribed the week before the race. So there was a little added stress of like, am I even going to like be able to wake up Sunday morning and be able to do this? But luckily that did not um, bother me at all day of the race. Nice. Yeah. Well, so you're scheduling one for next year? Yeah. I'm guessing. I mean, I'm, gonna do, I'm hoping to do – my current plan right now is to do like an Olympic early in the year, like in April probably. And then hopefully – two 70.3s next year instead of one do one in like in the middle of the summer somewhere and then maybe do the Michigan one again. Um, I, I did in my optimism of planning my season earlier this year, I scheduled myself for a marathon at the end of October thinking that I could ride my half Ironman fitness into a marathon. 
horrible idea. Uh, so I, <laughs> I deferred it to next year, next October, the end of October, which if I do the Michigan one again, I'm going to have the exact same problem. So I have to decide if I really want to do this marathon, I should probably find an earlier 70.3 to do. So I actually have time to recover and train specifically for the run. Um, so we'll see. I haven't made up my mind yet. I'd kind of like to do this Michigan one every year and invite people again the week before. Like come stay in an Airbnb. That was the most fun part of all of it, I think. Like the race was cool, but like having everybody in the house um, and just hanging out the couple of days beforehand was nice. It was like a brother's weekend, but it was brothers plus. You know, yeah. Parents, grandma, wives. It was nice. Friends. It's a it's a good time of year to be up there too. I feel like yeah. it's like very very nice weather when we were there. Um, well, you know, I can't say that I have any plans to do a 70.3 next year as of now, but I did go out and finally buy new running shoes to get nice. back into yeah, running. I love them. I'm running on the cloud masters and on running shoe. Cloud, the brain master cloud monster. Oh shoot. No, they're called cloud monster. Probably. I don't, I don't actually know the cloud, cloud monster is even crazier. No, I think they're cloud monsters. Um, uh, they're the cloud surfers. great. You're I on like, the cloud. I like, I like the brand. Um, yeah, the other cloud monster. I like them a lot. They're definitely new for me. A little bit of a round to them, which I'm not used to. That like roll feels weird. Okay. When I first put them on you, know I mean, yeah. like just the fact the shoes, they kind of that rock. shape. Yeah. Yeah. And they, which is great. Actually, it's very nice. Uh, I've only run on them probably four or five times so far. And I'm not, I haven't run over, I haven't run over three and a half miles yet. So, um, doing, I think Joe just texted me doing a long run on Sunday. So we'll see. Yeah. I think Together? I would like to try and, nice. yeah. Try and do a, a, a spring half. And then who knows, you know, if half I marathon. think it's, yeah. And then if I can toy around with ever hopping on a bike or something, maybe I would see about the other aspects of it. Um, cool. but I, don't, I don't know. I've can't, I've never competitively swam anything and I've never ridden a bike nearly as much as you in terms of just like actual, you know, like riding. You'll get in, you'll, you'll figure it out. The thing is just um, a bike and having, I mean, it's a time thing, mostly like having the time to do the training. Yeah, and I think um, there's going to be a genuine struggle if I choose to keep farming and want to do this. It could be tough. <laughs> Not just time, but body. Because you're, yeah. yeah, you're beating up your body pretty bad uh, just in your day to day. I'm doing the yeah. opposite of that. I'm beating up my body in different ways by sitting at home and doing nothing. Um, yeah, you know, we can we, so. can we can wrap here in a second. But I, I thought I'd just share I because of the software I use to keep track of my training, I, I did a quick uh, report on like how much oh, yeah. have I done, how much swimming, biking and running have I done since August, 2021, which is when I started when I saw you to September 16th of this year, which is the day before the race. So I have, I swam a, and this includes, you know, the handful of races that I've done as well. Mm -hmm. in addition to the but not the half all counts, not the half. So 214,387 yards uh, in 92 hours and 15 minutes. A lot of time uh, in the water. 5,307 miles of cycling uh, with 358 hours and 18 minutes. And then 1,039 miles of running across 183 hours and 51 minutes. What's Did you do a total? What's the total hours spent doing stuff? I'm curious what the actual, those three I, numbers yeah, together. I Cause I have that written down, but I don't have it in that. Um, hold on. I have it written on a piece of paper. Let me find it here. I'm curious mean, what that's total quick, time. And quick, quick math. People could just do that in their head. Right. As uh, 
Or a calculator, you know. Said that out loud. I don't know if I'm you gonna just find add, it quickly. You could just add those three numbers together and I could yeah, I could have just added those together instead of um here it is. Six hundred and thirty three hours. Which is thirty seven thousand nine hundred and eighty minutes, which divided twenty six days. There were seven hundred and seventy one <laughs> days between August the first day of training and the last day of training. So that's only forty nine minutes a day. It's not bad. But, but also kind of impressive. There were large chunks in there, like my honeymoon and stuff, where I didn't do any training. Um, and, yeah. You know, after a race, usually the week after a race, I did hardly any any training. So it's not actually 49 minutes a day. But Yeah. Anyway, thanks for indulging me, letting me tell my story for all of posterity. Listen to this when I'm 80 and be like, remember when I did my half, half Ironman? Say, like, Grandpa, that's all you ever talk about. <laughs> oh. Yeah. <laughs> I'm Dude, kidding. I've you actually, don't I've, talk about have, it at all. <laughs> I have tried, and people, colleagues who are going to laugh at what I'm about to say, but I'm really trying to not make Iron Man and like triathlon my whole personality. I didn't keep the bag that I got with the half Iron Man. Silly. I didn't keep the medal. I didn't Silly. keep the shirt or the hat. Uh, I don't want any of the merch. I just want to do the thing. Uh, I don't want to. Uh, that's almost worse. Walking around like wearing all my Iron Man stuff all the time and only talking about it. The thing that my colleagues are laughing about is that I probably talk about triathlon a lot because, I mean, I spent 630 something hours doing it. It's all I do when I'm not working, basically. So what else am I going to talk about? But I truly yeah. am trying to not make it my personality because I think it's obnoxious. Yeah. You know, I would say if you go too far the other direction, it can also be obnoxious. So just make well, sure you trying to find, find the fine line. Golden <laughs> Thanks, Aristotle. Yeah, no problem. Um, it's fine. I talk about hockey and stuff a lot. You know, I play a lot of hockey and talk about that too. So it's fine. You know, talk about the things you talk about the things you do. It's not a bad thing. That's right. That's true. That's true. Um, all right. Are we done? Yeah, we're done. I think uh, I think it's sleepy time. I think the pizza's hitting me. <laughs> No, I don't need a pizza coma. Hey, do you um, do you ever get pizza sweats? The day, Me? the night after you eat a bunch of pizza, do you ever wake up in the middle of the night being very sweaty? I can report back tomorrow and let you know. Right. I mean, me know. not in specific instances I cannot call on right now, but I'm a sweaty sleeper as it is, so it's hard to differentiate. I run warm that no matter – I run warm. That might be something that just comes, you know, as you get older – because I, pizza pizza sweats are straight up. I can almost count on it having. If I eat a little bit too much pizza, I'm gonna wake up. And I'm gonna be thirsty as hell about 3 a.m. because of all that sodium from the pizza, <laughs> and then I'm gonna probably be super sweaty. Yeah, man. My hands needing to drink more water. Yeah, exactly. And you still do it. And you still do it. My body's a machine, as we've just heard from the last <laughs> 20 minutes of me uh, regaling you with my yeah. fitness. And your physical feats, yeah. Uh, yep. Yep. There it is. <laughs> All right. There it is. All right. Bye, everyone. See you, Ed.